All right, what's up everyone? Today I've got Sean Sanders from Revix. I hope I pronounced your surname correctly. Welcome to the show. Hey Bobby, thanks very much for having me. And yes, it's like Colonel Sanders, spot on. Most South Africans say Sand, like Sanders. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So, very odd. Yeah. Cool, Super nailed odd. it. <laughs> nice. Fantastic. So do you want to just give people, um, the viewers and listeners, who is Sean Sanders, um, your kind of background, and, uh, and then obviously maybe just lead into uh, Revix, a short description of what Revix is. Sure. So I am a finance nerd. I did my honors in quantitative finance. I worked at a hedge fund short, for a short period of time. I started in my own fund. I worked at a VC firm for a short period. And then I started Revix and uh, that was about three and a half years ago. So Revix is a platform that enables everyday people to invest in baskets of cryptocurrency. So very similar to like a, a S&P 500 ETF, but for crypto. And yeah, I think we've, I mean, naturally with the crypto market, we've seen just remarkable growth over the last year. And mm. I mean, when I say remarkable growth, you're talking 30x revenue growth year on year, wow. uh, 50% month-to-month -month growth, which is just, you know, sort of pinch yourself every morning uh, kind of growth. But yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, the journey with Revix has just been one that I'll never forget. And I mean, we're just getting started. I think it's the same as what they say about the crypto market. Like all of this is literally, we're still in the first stage, right? So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's been super cool. Very cool. Uh, that's such a great opener for me uh, for the show in, in general. So thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I've got a couple of questions and obviously the theme of today is kind of talking products, startups, um, founders, and kind of that whole launching of a product. So um, that's the premise. So you've kind of set me up quite nicely there. Um, and I have to start by saying that you've started off by using the words S&P 500. And um, I've noticed that when I talk about that kind of stuff with my friends, it just goes right over their head. So which makes me think about how did Revix sell that? Because people don't understand index funds. Now you're trying to sell crypto that people don't understand in a index fund type uh, product. So explain that thought process. Uh, so I don't say S&P 500 to a lot of people, I suppose. Um, <laughs> not finance geeks, but you are talking to somebody that is investing in anything, right? Whether it be in property, whether it be in stocks, bonds, you name it people want to invest in diversified portfolios. Like mm -hmm. while they don't quite understand, I mean, I'm talking now about somebody that's not, um, you know, they don't have a financial degree or they haven't really got into finance or investing, they understand the benefits of diversification. So if you can talk about that and you say, but like, listen, why are you getting exposure to this new asset class being cryptocurrencies in a gambling like style? Like you would never go to the stock market and just pick one uh, stock and then sit back and be like, yeah, my life's made. No, you'd probably own a diversified portfolio. And it was literally that simple. It was taking that approach, um, which I suppose has this macro uh, opportunity that sort of presented itself as well, where you've got this really big move from active management to passive management, with active management being an active fund manager, managing money on your behalf and you know trying every single day to outdo the market. Um, then passive management being essentially you just buy into an index fund. So you look to track the market um, over the And there's this wealth of research that shows that passive management outperforms active ma management more often than not. And that most people just land up paying performance fees. And, you know, ultimately that was our approach here. We said, listen, let's make this really simple. Cryptocurrency as an emerging asset class is going to grow over time. It's currently what, a $1.5 trillion asset class. We believe that it'll be a $10 trillion asset class, a $20 trillion asset class. And you can go and you can try to say, listen, 
Ethereum, uh, you are going to be the next success story and you may be right, but you could also be wrong. And mm. you don't want to be holding the pets.com in the crypto space and the whole entire industry is blown up, right? So that's really just our approach is yeah. to say, and that's also just a finance quote. This maybe yeah, you shouldn't be speaking the to the CFA the... Um, advice <laughs> about all this stuff. But yeah, that's our approach is really to say, you want to get exposure to a growing asset class rather mm. than just individual ones within the space. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, so thank you for explaining passive and active because I think that's also not understood. You know, um, we might have a financial advisor that kind of just does it for us. We don't understand what what they're actually doing for us. Um, but now going from a product point of view, how did when did you kind of go, oh, hold on, we need to actually think about this better and create a product for it. What was that kind of, where did you, where did you see the gap and know that, okay, I'm going to go spend money on starting a new product or a new startup in this space? So I guess you start playing around with your own MVP. So let me say, okay, great. I have a hundred thousand Rand and I want to invest in this portfolio of cryptocurrencies. Let's take a look at our top 10 bundle, right? So this is a mm. top 10 equally weighted bundle, which means that you get exposure to the top 10 cryptocurrencies, mm. uh, 10% allocated to each. So let's go ahead, take that hundred thousand Rand, go and put 10,000 Rand into each. Fantastic. You hold that for a month at the end of the month. The way our bundle works is we reweight that bundle. So we'll mm-hmm. say, okay, right. So maybe Bitcoin outperformed all the other cryptocurrencies. So to get a new equally weighted bundle, we need to sell a little bit of Bitcoin and buy all the other cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. So we need to go ahead and do that. Go and do that using your hundred thousand Rand. That's then potentially grown a little bit or declined mm-hmm. in value a little bit. And that's exactly what I did. Right back in the day, I was going, well, you know, I'm doing this, and I did that professionally. Right. So I worked for um, a, a very wealthy man in the UK. Uh, I was working at a family office, and essentially it was with a hundred million dollars and you would need to rebalance portfolios and do all these different things. So it's that same principle to saying, well, (laughs) well, yeah, it is a hell of a lot of, but when it's not your own money, it just becomes like just numbers on the screen. Right. Mm. Um, But when you're managing that and you're having to just go through the regular processes of rebalancing and stuff, you realize like, Hey, listen, I'm being paid to do this for this really rich dude. Like, why can you not automate this? Essentially, I know that I could automate my job at that point in time. Let me automate this. Let's introduce this product as essentially a program because that's what our bundles are. Like our bundles aren't financial products. Uh, They're not, uh, because what is a financial product really at the end of the day? It's a legal entity that has like a little regulatory stamp of approval. And I said, well, that's also kind of stupid because like what value does that provide? That still means I have to go to this legal entity and trade. Um, but if we can build something that automatically does my job for me, that's really where we've got something that perhaps even goes well beyond crypto, which is then mm. I suppose the sort of steps for Revix in its, in its journey. Yeah, that's incredible. And you're brave because you brought up the whole regulations topic. So how has Revix kind of navigated through all of that in this new disruptive, like seriously disruptive kind of new technology and stuff that's coming in? How have you navigated being the guinea pig in the industry? Oh, it's, it's like walking through an Amazon rainforest, like your foot is going into water. Then the next second you're like, oh, it's so warm and it's lovely. And then you sunk under and then you're putting yourself out of the reeds. Now I've been incredibly outspoken about, like you know, I was on Bloomberg three weeks ago, talking about how South African regulators need to kind of, you know, pull their pants up and get shit actually working because mm. like, I don't know what they're doing, but, and I'm sorry, I'm not even sure if I can swear on no, this go for it. But, <laughs> good. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, you've got pretty much every other major region in the world, other region being every other country really in the world, um, coming out with crypto regulations, right? They've got some form of crypto regulation. 
here, like you've got no clue what's about to come, right? So mm. that means that trying to go the extra mile, you know, you want to get phase compliant, you want to become AMLD compliant. Um, you know, do you have the right onboarding process? How do you handle this all from a tax perspective? Your customers are also asking you, where's your FSB license? You're like, well, I can't get an FSB license. They're not securities. Cryptocurrencies are not securities. That is. So it's been really difficult on that front. Mm. Banks mm. don't want to touch you. They don't want to look at you. They, you know, we've had countless discussions with our two banking partners and being NetBank and Standard Bank, they still don't quite understand what cryptocurrency is, never mind actually being able to offer banking services, not to knock banks, but like their banks. No, um, it's and yeah, hundred percent. And this isn't a South African problem. I mean, we're we're hearing that this America is going through the same thing. There's very few countries, there's few uh, regulatory bodies that are actually embracing it, and it's scary because you started off by saying how successful Revex has been in the last three years. So there's this massive disconnect between products like Revex, the regulators, and the actual people that are seeing the value in it and actually investing their money. It's incredible. Yeah, there's such a big disconnect. It's kind of like. You know, when they say, listen, how do we get more uh, senior developers in South Africa? How do we get more development talent to stay in South Africa rather than running offshore? And they go, let's create a coding school. And you're like, oh, that's brilliant. Let's create a coding school. And you're like, but where do they go? Where, where do people go yeah. once they've gone to coding school? They run overseas. Yeah. So you know, you've got to get things right internally. Like you have to get successful businesses that hire professional developers. And then that kind of creates this industry, right? So Amen. I'm, I'm super busy. That, but yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I see, you know, you can go on to any website, any company, whether it's in the financial, whatever company, and they're looking for developers. So you use, that's a great example. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I must say, so, you know, when did you start saying, okay, cool, I've got this product idea, I've built some form of a first version, how did you know what needed to be in that first version? Because, um, for people that are building new products, it's always that we, we talk about this like whiplash where they're kind of like, okay, now I've, I've started this product. Now, which direction do I go? When did you know that you had a version one that was worth kind of like, now I'm happy. I want to really market the hell out of this thing. Um, how did you get to that point? Can you explain that experience? I wish I could tell you that there was just this one moment. It's more a case of you having this conversation with people and all of a sudden somebody's like willing to give you some money for it. And you're like, okay, wow, there's something there. And it's never clear cut, right? It's not a case of like, now there's people gonna get, that are gonna give me money. Um, even when we launched the first version of our platform, uh, you know, two and a bit years ago, I still wasn't sure whether or not we were gonna have something that people wanted to, to mm. use. Mm. For me, it was actually um, the moment where I was speaking to another high net worth individual based in the Cayman Islands. And he said, well, listen, I'd love to invest a million dollars into crypto. And I sort of was like, ah, okay, well, you know, I can do this for you in this way. And I wanted to see his reaction. And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, no, I'm interested. I'm not going to put a million in. I'm going to put like, you know, $200,000 in. And that was sort of like, okay, great. Well, I can't do that for you yet. So just hold on two seconds. Let me go and, you know, actually trial this out. And that's when you decide, okay, great. Well, how do you actually build something that can scale beyond, you know, getting one, two, three, four, five customers? Because there's only so many portfolios you can sort of rebalance yourself before you need some sort of a technolo te uh, technological solution. Mm -hmm. And that's really turning point for us. Mm, interesting. And um, you say there's been phenomenal growth. I've, I read a book recently by Mac, Malcolm Gladwell called Tipping Point. And I feel like there's a, a very big tipping point coming. Um, do you feel like this recent surge in interest in cryptos, you know, obviously it's through COVID and all the money printing and all of the stuff that's happening. Do you think that's created some sort of a tipping point that's, and Revix is like right place, right time? Definitely. Yeah. 100%. 
a view that I have is a lot of people say, oh, Bitcoin's going mainstream. I'm like, I read the, the, the Bloomberg newsletter every single morning. Mm -hmm. I've read that for the last seven years since I've been in finance, right? Mm -hmm. Or tech, actually. And I've never seen something crypto related there until the start of this year. Now, every single day, they'll have a paragraph in the, like literally it's the first paragraph where people are reading about how Bitcoin's doing, how Ethereum is doing, like this is mainstream. Like I don't know what more mainstream we could be talking about. You have an asset class that's worth over, or Bitcoin in particular, worth over a trillion dollars, mm. like a, a T. I mean, this yeah. is something that was crazy a while ago. And three years ago when I was on a podcast and somebody said to me like, what's one thing that you think is gonna happen which no one agrees with you on? I'm like, well, I think that you'll see a lot of corporates buying Bitcoin. Um, and people were like, okay, crazy dude. And now you've got to the likes of you know Tesla, MicroStrategy, et cetera, et cetera, buying Bitcoin, holding on their balance sheet. Today, I'm going to tell you that there'll be central banks holding on their balance sheet in three years' time. And I think a lot of people go, no way. They'll never mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you prefer to own? A, a government bond that's providing you a negative interest rate or you know Bitcoin? Um, exactly. For me, it's pretty straightforward. It's so I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, 100%. There was even a, an article literally today that was, uh, I haven't read it. I saw the headline that the South African Reserve Bank's even looking into a digital currency now. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I find it really funny. I'm like, you are looking to introduce a digital currency, but you can't introduce regulation. Can somebody please just get the priorities right here? Get some regulation going. Let's get innovation happening internally. How yeah. are all these people going to be? their cryptocurrency their south african reserve currency yeah. i don't know so yeah. the other funny thing is now you've got the south african currency which doesn't exactly have the best track record right mm -hmm. as in a digital format like what creates the demand for that because you need to have something that's better than what's currently out there yeah. now with a digital currency like does this give government the ability to trace where the money is a bit more potentially which could be really good from let's say like a tender standpoint mm -hmm. so you give a exactly where that money goes that i'm all for yes. a social grant exactly where that money That's can be spent so you great use cases yeah fantastic but then on the other side of things like why would i as sean decide to use the central bank digital currency um will it circumvent the banks and like my mm -hmm. monthly banking if that does that fantastic but then you've got like what 34 banks in south africa that go under so then mm -hmm. i also don't understand really sort of the job creation side of things there so it seems like it's very much a pilot project i'm not going mm. to be convinced I, i'm not reading too much into it personally i think i believe it when like you said when they start having the right conversations around um, regulations or kind of speaking to the banks getting the banks to start having the conversation so that they can understand it so let's 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 park that for now because i can see that's a <laughs> that's a rabbit hole waiting for us to climb into um but let's let's talk i mean you guys aren't just doing crypto but i actually i mean it doesn't seem that way i went into your website and you've got a very arc invest type field now going with artificial intelligence um uh, electric vehicles explain that it's 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 i think i saw coming in 2022 what is all that about yeah so we want to make it really easy for everyday people to invest in areas that are emerging right so if you think about ai biotech 5g technology artificial meat hell going to even psychedelics as an investable category there's an etf out there that allows you to invest in this and mm. um, space exploration and um, mm. there's all these categories which people are like so passionate about and they're either passionate through just their interests or they're passionate because they work in the area but the thing is that a lot of and in particular south africans you're not able to get exposure to these different areas why because you just don't have the financial products here locally to invest mm. in 
So mm. we are essentially trying to make it just really simple and easy for everyday people to get exposure to these fast growing areas. Mm. Uh, remember, investing is really the eighth wonder of, of the world. If you're able to allocate your money to an area that grows, mm. your wealth grows, you're able to do more in your life. You're able to start a business that then has you know, knock-on impacts where you know, there's employment and there's the, like, the ability for other people then to start businesses. And it just really has this big ripple effect. So I do believe in sort of enabling people to do this and the wider societal impact is phenomenal. So mm -hmm. that's sort of our longer term goal. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. And you, you touching on a thing that I've spoken about. Um, one of the most influential books that a lot of people say they've read in the finance space is rich dad, poor dad. And in there, he talks about the lack of education around financial just financial education, literacy. And um, so it kind of leads me to my next question. There is a definitely the gap. We spoke about index funds being an unknown. How do you market Revex in a space of so much uncertainty? We've spoken about regulations. How do you kind of um, get the brand out? How's that journey been for you? So I think it starts by having just an authentic conversation, right? It's, it starts where you just don't have all the jargon. So finance people, like yours truly, you'd love to just say things which are jargon-ridden. Why? Because you feel like you're part of the club, right? Mm -hmm. So crypto, or we even better in the crypto space, like, oh, we're going to be using, you know, a layer two scaling solution on top of SERC20. Like, oh, come on, like, calm down. Like, it's, you know, it's, yeah, completely. So in finance, like investing is a really simple concept, right? You put some money into something and it increases in value based on demand and supply. Um, and you sell it at a later date, or you get interest from this. And I mean, the whole concept is actually pretty simple. Um, understanding your behavior when you're investing is probably as important as actually making that investing decision. So it's like really simple. I think taking a step back and looking at all these different facets of investing and then just having a conversation that's very normal, organic, mm -hmm. um, and that people can actually understand. I think that's something that hasn't been done enough in South Africa um, and probably worldwide, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Like when you mm -hmm. still go into investing platforms, whether it be a brokerage platform, even dealing with your wealth manager, like you see like terms like APY, that's confusing. Your yeah. annual percentage, like super yeah. confusing. Yeah. You go on to see like your net expense ratio. And then you're seeing all these things. It's like, well, just like, it doesn't help if you put a complicated definition below it. Just have something that makes a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what you're trying to do. So I think the, the next frontier of finance and the next frontier of money and all the rest, you know, when you see a statement currently, like you get a statement from your broker or something like that, and it's super complicated, that's like very, like what's this, 2020 vibes. Like mm -hmm. 2025 onwards, like you're probably going to have a person that talks to you that says, listen, this is your interest return. This is like how much money you made over the last while. This is where you could have invested. It's going to be a lot more like AI driven. Your and that's, that's really that's where that's interesting, eh? Wow. You don't have to sit in front of a desk with a financial advisor trying to kind of, you'll have an AI person, you're giving you that advice and, and past performance. That's, that's a very interesting concept. Is that something Revix is thinking of going down the line? It's something that actually one of our partners has, has started doing. Um, they're still in the early stages of it, but it's quite remarkable. I mean, if you just think about like everything finance related, it's all going to be tumbled on its head. Like the idea of getting a good old fashioned PDF, just showing like your monthly bank uh, transfers. This is what was deposited. This is what was withdrawn. Like that's definitely going to become something super old school. You're going to want to hear about what happened. Like you, what, what do you actually care about when you get your bank statements? Like what's your end balance? How much money did you spend for stuff? And you know, what are you going to put this money into? Like, tell me, mm -hmm. like, let's have a conversation around it. I think that's where banking is going. 
Yeah. Well, I, if I look at Revix's dashboard, you're kind of trying to do that already. There's, you know, you've got your products with their performances. You're kind of working into that direction as well. Um, makes me think of, I don't know, it's behind me. It's a book called Hooked where they, um, I don't know if you know it. Um, and he talks about uh, the hooked model of, you know, bringing people in, you get, get them to invest. Yeah, you're actually getting them to invest in your product and then kind of how's it doing today? How's my portfolio doing today? So you guys are really looking like you've got that going already, which is awesome. Um, and obviously yeah. when everything is green because of the markets, that's also a very good thing. It is, but I think that's how you should be with your money. I think you should be really engaged. Rather be hooked on your money than hooked on uh, social media, in my opinion, 100%. right? And that's not to say addicted, right? I think there's a healthy level of being hooked 100%. and there's an unhealthy level. Mm. And from, uh, there's another great book as well called Nudge. Um, yes. I don't know if you've heard yes. of that either. Yeah, I've so heard Nudge, of it, I haven't read it. Yeah, it's phenomenal in the sense of like, you know, you get to essentially decide how people do certain things based on the structure or the order of however something's put together, right? So like when you have different products that you put on your page, whichever one's at the top is probably going to be chosen over one that's at the bottom. And it's that sort of like choice architecture, as they call it, which has a really big impact, right? And it's on everything. Like you check yeah. out at a, a supermarket, you walk through that like really sweet, fantastic end section. And that's yeah. there for a reason nudge in some respect right yes, yes and i think being in the product space you'd appreciate it as well like there's a lot of people out there i mean there's not that many players in south africa uh, that are kind of playing in this fintech space but mm. you get to impact they have a really big impact through mm. those choices that are out there and the way that you influence people as well yeah fantastic i love your story i just dig how you're approaching everything it's really amazing um i just want to kind of start looking back at maybe um how, like, what was the biggest lesson, for example, in that, in those formative years of Revix, any big lessons, you know, for, for anyone else that's trying to do a startup, um, what kind of advice would you say to people that are kind of have this idea, should I go ahead with it, whether it's in finance or in general, like just a, a product type person, entrepreneur that's eager to do something? Uh, first thing is make sure that if you do get a founder, get a founder's agreement, uh, which okay. I say co-founder, get a co-founder's agreement. Uh, okay. You can put up on Google. I don't think I need to mention that now. Mm -hmm. The second bit of advice is just know that getting started is by far the most difficult thing you can do. Once you get started, momentum is your biggest friend. And I can tell you right now, Revix has been around for three and a half years. And the first two months were by far the most difficult. Then it got a little bit easier. Then it got harder. Then it got a little bit easier. And then easier. And then easier. And then easier. And now we're at this point where it's certainly not easy by, by any stretch of the imagination, but you're not schizophrenic. You're not schizophrenic from like one hour to the next going, oh, this is a great idea. No, this is doomed to fail. Oh, it's a great idea. It's doomed to fail mm -hmm. because that's it's fine for the first few years of your business. Like yeah. you're constantly yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were fortunate enough the other day to, to raise just over $4 million. And mm. there's no better feeling as a founder because you, I mean, we were walking for a long period of time where you've got an oxygen tank on your back. And that's sort of like the analogy for, you know, the amount of money that you have. You're employing people, you're growing, you're like, I need to fill this up. And mm. you're starting to stress about it. Uh, that's yeah. unhealthy stress. And then you fill it up and then you're like, oh, great, I've got this. And you're like over the moon. And then it's like, okay, I'm on to the next thing. Yes. Um, and that's been like for me. But that whole sort of, you know, I see it with all my friends as well that have now started businesses, some that have successfully exited as well. It's mm -hmm. just that getting started, it doesn't matter even if you've done a startup before, it's that getting started is the most difficult thing. So back yourself mm -hmm. and rather get momentum. You can also pivot. Uh, you can always sort of pivot your idea, but having sort of like a leg in the race is better than not having a leg in the race, really. 
Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for that. That's awesome. And um, I'm going to be uh, closing off now, but um, I always ask my guests, um, it's a bit of a curveball, if you had a book that you could recommend. So we spoke about books up here on my shelf. Um, some of them have come because of my guests' recommendations. So what book have you read that's kind of um, been quite uh, instrumental in your growth and your career and everything that stands out? Um. There's a few. Uh, I think one that I think every entrepreneur should read is Shoe Dog with Phil Knight from okay. Nike. Brilliant book. Like, honestly, I thoroughly enjoyed that from start to finish. It's just one of those that it like, it really gets you to understand what it's like to build in his case, you know, a billion dollar business, but that was quite phenomenal. And just how long it took. It's a mm. life's work, right? It's not, that's not your Silicon Valley startup, build this thing in three years, sell it for hundreds mm. of millions. So that's, mm. that's, that's a life's work sort of thing. So that was really interesting. And then mm -hmm. I think her name is Annie Conway. Uh, she wrote a book called Thinking in Bets, which is about separating the decision-making process from the outcomes. And I think as an entrepreneur, that is incredibly valuable as well. So I can recommend that. Oh, that sounds like something I need to go and, and Google. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> sounds like a really good one. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Uh, Sean, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, uh, I could probably carry on for a lot longer, but we can always have you back on and, and, and con can, can carry on with the conversation. But any last takeaways from your side before we call it a day? I think, you know, it doesn't matter who you are out there. You can think like an entrepreneur, right? You can iterate on processes. You can improve in small ways. And I think that's, you know, the biggest takeaway that I've had throughout my life as well. Everything that I do, whether it be a date that I go on, like, you know, everything, you sort of just have that entrepreneurial mindset. And I think that that's the real gift when then when you start your own business, you can kind of take that away because there's so many other areas of your life that get impacted. Uh, they always talk about having like three sources that you're balancing and not even get an idea around four sources, but mm -hmm. you've got like family and friends, you've got the amount of money you're making and the amount you're learning at any point in time. And you can't be spending all those sources at the same time. And I will yeah. drop that making a lot of money every single time to be learning as much as you can in a startup. It's just so much more fun. So yeah, I guess that's my takeaway. Love it. Love it, Sean. Thank you so much. And I just realized there's something I haven't actually asked you. That's another curveball. Bitcoin price prediction for end of 2021. Go. $100,000. Yeah. That is my price prediction. Yes. I told a friend that before the recent little dip there and uh, he's not liking me very now because he, he got in late. I was like, sorry. Oh, Hashtag not financial advice. <laughs> Hashtag not financial. A prediction, what is it? Throwing a, uh, literally a dart against the dartboard, right? Uh, yeah. You never know. Mm. Um, looking at Bitcoin to hit $100,000, I'm willing to take a ferocious bet against somebody out there over the next two years that it does hit there. I mean, by the end mm. of the year, it should have progressive. Yeah. But, you know, we, we also know that the growth is never linear. It's exponential, generally no, speaking. Exactly. There's a bit of death potentially on its way, right? When that yeah. happens, that's, that's a, big, a big catalyst in this market. Yeah. Awesome. Right, Sean, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks so much for joining and sharing all those awesome insights for everyone from, I guess, entrepreneurs to product people and obviously finance geeks. Um, hope to have you again. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of the day. You too. Cheers. Cheers.